Wow. I am quite surprised at the weightiness tonight. There's a weightiness in this room. God's up to stuff, church. He's up to something. And uh, I usually don't do this, but um, I'm going to kind of give you an overview of what I felt like the Lord wants to do with us tonight. So uh, for all you left brain people out there who like an outline, here you go. This is for you. The Lord's been talking uh, for about the last month about holy moments. Holy moments. Holy moments are, are moments with the Lord. They're, they're moments where we encounter Him. They mark us inside. They change us. They change our trajectory. And I, I, the Lord's been talking about holy moments. And tonight, He wants to frame holy moments in light of legacy. He has a legacy for you. He has a legacy for us as a people. He has a legacy for your family, for your marriage, for the businesses and the marketplace assignments that you have. God has a legacy for us. And holy moments are part of shaping that legacy. And there's something that actually hinders us from experiencing holy moments. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me a month ago and said, we have to go after a spirit of control. We have to go after a spirit of control. So tonight we're going to go after a spirit of control. And the good news is, is the Holy Spirit's already here. He's already working. He's already moving. And I believe some of us are going to experience a life transformation tonight. Where something that was handed down to you like it was to me, a spirit of control is going to be broken off of us tonight as a people. And here's the deal. That spirit of control wants to sabotage your legacy. Wants to sabotage your marriage legacy. Your family legacy. All the legacies that you have to give and I have to give. That spirit of control is an enemy to that. So God's highlighted that to us tonight. And we're going to go after it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And then we're going to end with an encounter with the Father. The Father is going to encounter us tonight in a special way. And here's the deal. We can't fully let go of a spirit of control until we have sonship and daughtership with the Father. It's when we go face to face with Him, heart to heart with Him, that we can truly let go. Because our hearts are bonded to Him attached to him we see the love in his eyes for us and we can let go of control so these things flow hand in hand tonight and i'm excited to be here i'm excited for my part i have a small part tonight <laughs> that's just bringing language to what he's wanting to do amen uh, i'm going to tell a lot of stories tonight normally i use a lot more scripture when i preach but i really feel like the lord said tell your stories and tell your encounter stories. And here's why I believe the Lord wants me to tell a lot of stories tonight. is because encounters are contagious. I learned this when I was 16 years old. I was in the jungles of Mexico on my first mission trip. And I was part of a group that had taken the movie Jesus up into the villages. 
And we showed the movie up on this concrete block wall. And when we started the movie that night, there was about 20, 20 people there. By the end of the night, there was about 100 people there. And towards the scene when Jesus is dying on a cross for my sin and your sin, I saw the Holy Spirit come on this people. And I saw weeping and wailing. And I had been, I was so moved to tears watching God come on a group of people. It was one of the most powerful encounters I'd ever been a part of in my life. And I saw so many people come to know the Lord that night. It was incredible. But what was most incredible was an hour later, the Lord came on me. Their encounter became my encounter. Their encounter with God became my encounter with God. And I was walking down the jungles in a torrential rain. And the Holy Spirit came on me and said, Justin, if you give me your life, I'll use your life. I'll use your life to heal and to help people in their callings. I'll use your life. And that moment marked me. It marked me for the rest of my life. It was a turning point in my life. So their encounter became my encounter. And tonight, my encounters, my encounter stories are going to become your encounter stories. That was five amens. Room full of 500 people, five people said amen. We got to do better than that, church. Okay, so I believe we are coming into a season of encounters. Yeah, I believe we are coming into a season when you're going to be encountering the Lord. You're going to be encountering him in amazing ways. You're going to be adding to your stories of holy moments. And some of you, that's going to start tonight. Tonight, as we close, there's several things that are going to happen. One, we're going to spend time in the Father's arms. We're going to spend time. We're just going to sit in his arms and let him love on us. And then some of us are going to get healed in that. And then after that, we're going to close the service. And I've asked a few fathers in the house to come forward at that time. And some of us are going to receive a father's embrace. And that father's embrace is going to heal some of us tonight. Some of us have a father wound that the father wants to heal tonight. And he's going to use a brother in, the, in the, our own church to do that. A physical, tangible representation of the father himself. It's actually going to be a breakthrough, a holy moment for you. So we got lots to get to tonight. Amen? All right. Okay. We're going to do it together. <laughs> The first thing that the Lord started talking to me about with these holy moments was legacy. Legacy. We are legacy builders. We are building a legacy whether we know it or not. We are building a, a legacy in our marriage whether we realize it or not. In our families, in our church, in our marketplace assignments, we are building a legacy. Legacy is what will people remember about us. 
And the truth is, is that Jesus came and started a legacy 2,000 years ago. He started a people movement legacy. And today, here in Boise, Idaho, we get to continue that legacy. And when we think like that, it changes what we do and how we live. Because here's the deal. These Sunday night services, these aren't just about filling seats. These are about people building a legacy. You're building a legacy of the presence of God. Gathering with your brothers and sisters. Being equipped to take the kingdom of God out there. Gathering around his presence. Letting him fill us with his presence and his love. There's a legacy building of a house of prayer. It's not about checking a box saying I was at a prayer set or not. It's about a legacy of calling on God for a city. Calling on God for our families. Calling on God for our marriages. Calling on God for strategy in our city to change a region. It's a legacy of prayer. Don't think it's just attending a meeting. It's not. We're building a legacy, church. Revival groups, they're not just about checking a box saying I was there. It's building a legacy of community, of connection, of family, building roots, building your tribe. You're building a legacy, church. Marriages, families, businesses, these are all part of the legacies that we're building. And God wants us to think about legacy. This is a book of legacies. We read about people who are building something with God, and you and I are called to build with God. We are legacy builders. Let's be intentional about it. Let's don't just think that we're changing diapers. You're not just changing diapers, mom and dad. You're building a legacy. You're saying you're valuable. I care about you. I care about what's going on. And I'm taking care of you. From the most menial things to the most significant things, it changes our perspective of the daily mundane when we start to think like legacy builders. God's inviting us, church. Nothing you do is small. Everything you do is about building a legacy in the kingdom of God. Legacies are built by our habits and by our special moments. In my era, Michael Jordan had an amazing legacy. Any other Jordan fans in the house? You know, what made Michael Jordan's legacy was two things. His daily habits and his special moments. He had some special moments. Here's a few of them right here. Game-winning shot in the national championship game on the left. Game-winning shot in, the, I think, the Eastern Conference Finals on the right. These were big moments in Michael Jordan's career. Big moments. And the other one, next slide, is the slam dunk. The very, very famous winning the slam dunk contest against Dominique Wilkins. Probably the greatest NBA slam dunk competition of all time. <laughs> I'm not sure why that was funny, but it's okay. <laughs> Big moments. 
shaped his legacy. The same is true with us. Our special moments, the holy moments where we meet with God, shape our legacy. But it wasn't just the big moments for Michael Jordan. It was also his daily habits. Do you know Michael Jordan averaged 30 points a game? That's quite a habit. 30 points a game. His daily habits, his workout. The other big thing about Michael Jordan's legacy that he talks about a lot was a really, really negative event. It's the day that he didn't make the varsity squad. Michael Jordan was a sophomore in high school, and the coach said, I'm only taking one sophomore in varsity, and Michael Jordan was not that player. And isn't it possible that that failure, if you will, is the very thing that drove Michael Jordan to become so great? And I would argue the same is true in our lives. It's very possible and and very likely that the hardest things we've gone through are actually the things that propel us into greatness. They're actually the things that shape our legacy the most. And so just like Michael Jordan had an amazing legacy because of his big moments, but also his consistency, his daily habits, so do we. So do we. You know, I can be a great dad one day a week, but suck the rest of the days a week, and that's going to cost me my legacy as a dad. It's going to cost me. I can have holy moments with God, mountaintop experiences where God's doing this or he's doing that, but if I don't love my wife, love my kids, serve my church, serve him in the daily ways, my legacy is gone. That's the both and. Jesus was a man with an amazing legacy. Greatest human being to ever walk the planet. His daily actions, his habits were love, embracing children, serving the poor. These are things he did every day. These were his habits. His big moments, turning water into wine, healing the sick and lame, and the oppressed people of his day. These were the big moments, dying on a cross, so you and I could experience life. These were big moments for Jesus, but Jesus' legacy was shaped by both as well, the big moments and the daily habits. And God is positioning us to be a people that think about both in our legacy. What are the daily habits that we're doing in our life that are producing life? And then how do we embrace these holy moments? How do we position ourselves to experience holy moments that it shape our legacy as a people? So we got to embrace holy moments. What are holy moments? Holy moments come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes we're alone. Sometimes we're in community like a revival group or a family dinner. Sometimes they're encounters with God. Sometimes we're reading a Bible or a book And all of a sudden, we have this tangible realization that God is doing something right now. Tangible awareness that he's moving right now. These are holy moments. I had a holy moment about when I was about 25 years old that really changed my life. I was driving down the road, 
and I saw the long road in front of me, and the Lord actually took me into a vision, which is a very dangerous thing when you're driving. And I saw a mountain, and it was like the Lord was showing me, Justin, this is your life. This is your journey that you're on. And I saw that I was wearing this enormous backpack. And in the backpack, it was stuffed with things. I mean, it was so heavy, it was like, oh my goodness, that's a long road to carry this backpack. And the Lord began to speak to me. He began to say, Justin, there's things in your backpack that you don't need for this journey. And I saw him reach into my backpack, and it was like he was pulling out these massive stones, these dead weight. And these things had names on them. And I was like, wow. So I'm looking at these. They have names on them. Some of it was types of music I was listening to. Some of it was other things. But I felt so loved by my father because he was saying, Justin, you don't have to carry these things around anymore. I'm going to help unburden your backpack so that you can be on the journey with me that I've called you to be on. I felt so loved by my father that day. I felt like a father came down and was saying, Justin, I've got you. I'm going to lighten your load. Sometimes we don't have moments with God because our spirit's closed. Our spirit's closed. We even see this in the scripture, Matthew 13, 54. I'll read it to you. It says this, when Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Say they were amazed. That's a good sign, right? When people are amazed... Usually, that's a good sign. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this is his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. And these words right here. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. How did this happen? They were amazed, it said. And then they took offense at him. Sometimes we're not having holy moments because our spirits are closed. These guys went from amazement to, yeah, no thanks. Jesus, we're good. And my own dealing with a spirit of control in my life, I get this. This, is, this, is, this was part of my story. And I'm excited to see Jesus create a new story in all of us. Because here's what happens. No miracles in a place that needed miracles. Their hearts were closed. He didn't fit within their box. This is my story of, of partnering with the spirit of control is, is I wasn't one of those large and in charge controlling types. Nope, that wasn't me. My type was more the hidden type of control. It was like build a framework and anything that's not in that framework I can just ignore or excuse or say, well, that's not God. 
close myself off. This is exactly what these people did. They said, Jesus, we don't understand how you're doing this stuff. And because we don't understand, that means it's not good. And because we feel threatened by what we can't understand, we're afraid. Our fear leads us to control and therefore to reject you. So we reject what you're doing. This was me. This was the variety of control that I had aligned myself with. A very hidden, passive form of control that built a mental framework and said, as long as it falls within this box, I'm good. But if it lands outside, I'm not good. It's not God, and I'm not open to it anymore. In Matthew 16, 6, Jesus said this. He said, be careful then, talking to his disciples, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The New Living Translation says this, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What is the yeast of the Pharisees? I don't feel like I'm supposed to go in that tonight very deep. Here's what I do know. Behind the yeast of the Pharisees is a spirit, a spirit that wants control, a spirit that doesn't want God to be in control of our lives. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, watch out. Watch out that no other spirit but my Holy Spirit is motivating you. Watch out. Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, the new ecosystem that we're building together, the agape ecosystem, it's this spirit behind the Pharisee is actually a threat to that. It's a threat to build agape. I saw this uh, kind of corny little cartoon online, and I, I liked it, so... I'm 49, so I can get away with corny stuff. That's what my kids tell me anyway. So. so I love this because it says, you know, the Pharisee over here on the left. Sinners are far apart. They're set apart. But over here, Jesus' heart, sinners are in his heart. I love that. Sinners are in Jesus' heart. Isn't that good news? And the Pharisee, it says... What does it say? Can't see it from there. Closed, disengaged, legalistic, judgmental, negative, and exclusive. That's the spirit behind the Pharisee. Jesus, open, forgiving, loving, hopeful, inclusive. That's the Jesus we serve. You know, only one of those built a people movement. Only one of those built the people movement. And it was Jesus. And only one of those is okay for us as well as the continuation of the people movement. We're the ones building the people movement today as Jesus is in heaven. Amen? So which one does my wife get at home? Which one does my, do my kids get at home? Which one does my social media feed get at home? Yeah, we are building a legacy of giving people Jesus, representing him 
to the people of this city and to people of this region. Amen? So as we form, or as I formed an agreement with a controlling spirit, here's what it looked like, and here's what it might look like in some of us. Being overly concerned with how others view me. Perfectionism. Being annoyed with others' expressions of freedom. Being annoyed with childlikeness in others. Judgmental attitudes towards others. Thinking I'm better than others. Expecting people to act or behave like me. This was my favorite, by the way. This was my favorite. We called it in my home the be like me. As long as you were like me, you'd get the best of who I was. Except for, you're not like me. So then, I was a little bit off the hook. I didn't have to give you the best of me anymore. Holding my beliefs and opinions as the ultimate standard for everyone. Dominating conversations with others. Not asking for advice. Withholding love and affirmation from those close to me. Internally dismissing things as not God when I'm uncomfortable. Not able to engage with others fully. I don't participate unless I understand it fully. Difficult time receiving from others. Micromanaging a spouse or a child. You see, my particular partnership with a controlling spirit was handed down to me. My mom and dad experienced great crisis in their, in their early marriage. And so my mom went into full control mode, full micromanage and control. And that's how she protected herself from pain. So as you might imagine, I walked into that and I started to emulate that. I started to actually re-posture that with my own variety. I couldn't, it couldn't look like hers looked because you can't have two controllers in the same relationship. That's going to blow up. So mine was much more passive was much more hidden and internal. But the problem was what? The problem was I wasn't experiencing God because I was actually controlling God. I was controlling my own influence with a God who loved me and who wanted me to know him intimately. So this became a problem, a big problem. I wasn't an externally controlling person, but internally, I was very controlling. And the evidence was everywhere. My friends were having God encounters. My wife was having God encounters. People around me were having holy moments, moments in their lives where God was transforming them from the inside out. And I wasn't. My spirit wasn't open to God because of this agreement with a controlling spirit. I was getting desperate for breakthrough. Desperate. I was so dry. I remember being so dry. And I remember the first time when I finally got a breakthrough encounter with God. It was at a women's conference in 2006. <laughs> it's a very true story. You women, you got it figured out, man. You... 
2006, my wife was actually one of the speakers at this women's conference. So I wanted to hear my wife speak, and she did a great job. I volunteered to be on the sound team so I could hear my wife speak. At the end of the conference, they said, hey, if you want a touch from God, come to the front. And I'm like, I'm the sound guy. I'm like, I'm going to be the only guy in the room. But guess who was down in the front? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like running down to the front. And you know what? You know what happened? I got there to the front, and I said these words. I'm letting go. I'm letting go of control right now. I'm letting go of what people think of me right now. I don't care what people think of me. I'm so desperate to meet with you, God. I'm so desperate to have a holy moment with you, God. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care. I'm letting go. And those are the words that started to break something inside of me. My cup was no longer turned upside down. The Holy Spirit came over me and a huge crowd of women. And yeah, all I know is I woke up an hour later on the floor. That's all I know. And I had three visions during that time that were all transformative for me. Visions that God showed me about me. It came with desperation. A year later, I was at a conference with Rick Joyner, who's a, a father in the faith in our nation and a very powerful prophetic voice. I was sitting there. I didn't actually know why I was in the conference. But God knew. He had a plan for me. I was sitting there, and Rick started to speak about the spirit of accusation in the church. And he got about two sentences out of his mouth, and I fell under heavy conviction by the Lord. The Holy Spirit was saying, you, you have partnered with accusing brothers and sisters. And Rick continued to preach, and he said, when we, when we partner with a spirit of accusation, we actually are doing the enemy's work for him. And I sat there, and I began to cry and weep as God convicted my heart of all the things that I had said about people that I should not have said. I had an encounter with the Lord right there. I didn't go to the rest of the conference. I got what I was there for. I came under heavy conviction by the Lord. And this was a really, really important holy moment in my life because it changed my trajectory. I had some messes to clean up. I had, I had operated in a foolish manner, and God was saying, I'm calling you up. I'm, I'm getting ready to promote you, but I need you to clean this stuff up. And the Father met me that day, and he pruned me. And sometimes our holy moments are about God pruning us. And it produced so much life in me. I have not accused or slandered since. Because of the work, the deep work that God did in me that day. And some of us need to hear that tonight. Some of us need to hear that a father wants to come and bring sometimes a pruning word. A pruning word that isn't super fun in the moment, but produces a lifetime of fruit in him. Amen?
The last one that I'll share tonight is about two years later, 2009, I was at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And I was walking in, and there was a group of us, about 25 people, walking in late to this big conference that was starting. And this man approached me, and he said, sir, I have a word for you. I was like, okay. So he gave me this word, and this word was spot on. I mean, I, I, was, I stood there in shock. If you've ever gotten a word where a complete stranger reads your entire mail to you, it was one of those words. And I was like, wow. In a two-year wilderness season where God had been fairly quiet, all of a sudden, a stranger at IHOP walks up and gives me this word. It was not only past, but it was also present, and it was also future. And I will tell you, over half the things he told me about my future have already happened. It was so laser, and I was so grateful. I couldn't wait to get on the phone and tell my wife. And then this happened. As I said, thank you so much for that word. I turned to go away, and I noticed in his left hand was a cigarette. Like you smoke cigarette. (laughs) Got really quiet when I said that. AJ used cigarettes in his stories. <laughs> and I was so surprised by it that I did a double take. I was like, wait, did I see that right? Like, am I? I looked back and sure enough, cigarette, just token up, you know, puffing. <laughs> okay. So I had a moment right there. What do you think I was dealing with? Okay, this was not in my box. (laughs) This was clearly outside my box. I had my prophetic guy box. (laughs) And this guy, that thing wasn't in my box. (laughs) And I felt this religious spirit again. I felt it going, hmm. Is that God? That can't be God. Why would God send you a smoking prophet? (laughs) I was asking myself the same question. God, why would you send me a smoking prophet? I mean, he did use a burning bush for Moses. But this was a test for me. This was a test, and I passed the test. I passed the test because what I was able to do was see how God had moved me from, if it's not in the box, it's not God. And those were the very things that were protecting me from these amazing holy moments showing up in my life. And here came this test, this lasered word that was remarkable. And all of a sudden, this little thing, it was like, wait, what? But I passed the test, and I experienced the holy moment for what it was. And you will have these tests. You will have these tests as you're experiencing holy moments. Things will not fit in your boxes. And tonight, the Lord wants to help us remove our boxes. 
He wants to help us obviously use our minds still. I'm not saying that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But he wants to help us get rid of a spirit of control which wants to lead us away from the very things that God has for us that may not fit in our boxes. Amen? So our calling is to influence and not control. To control, and the religious spirit wants to shift to a different ecosystem. It wants to build an ecosystem of fear. But Jesus said in John 16, 13, he said, I have sent the Holy Spirit to be your guide. The Holy Spirit now is our guide. The religious spirit is not. Amen? It's not our guide. And Jesus is wanting freedom and revival in our homes, in our families, in our churches. The thing that makes me sad about the scripture verse that I read earlier, Matthew 13, I'm sad for that town. I'm sad for all the miracles that didn't happen in that town. And I'm sad for everybody since that's done the same thing to Jesus. Because Jesus didn't fit in their box. They ignored him. Sad for all the churches that pushed Jesus away. That needed the miracles. They needed revival. They needed heaven showing up. But because it didn't fit in their box, they pushed him away. God's calling us to be a people of holy moments. But we got to do something with the box. We got to break that agreement. So when we agree with a controlling spirit, several things happen in us that don't empower us to create legacy. Remember legacy? The first thing is we miss holy moments. We do. God's moving. And if we're operating in an agreement with a controlling spirit, our cup will be turned over upside down. The pitcher that's pouring out the water of his presence will have nothing to fill. Jesus said, blessed are the hungry and the thirsty. They will be filled. So our holy moments are about get ridding of a controlling spirit in our lives. Number two, we don't build fruitful relationships. I spend a lot of time with people in relationships. And when these internal agreements with control are in place, we don't build good relationships. Why? Good relationships are built with heart-to-heart -heart connections, which means my heart is available to you. It's available to you. It's available to be influenced by you and to influence you. And when I'm operating in a spirit of control, I'm no longer interested in influencing you. I'm trying to ignore you or control you to get what I want. And so we don't build good relationships when the spirit is involved in our lives. Amen? Listen, our kids need us to break off control. Our kids need it. Our legacies as parents depend on us breaking up with control. It's time for a breakup. The third thing is we resist leadership. God has a plan and a destiny for your life, and God wants to put people in your life to help you get there. He does. I've never seen a leader 
stay in a place over a duration of time without other leaders helping him get there, helping her get there. They may, there may be flash in the pan moments, but sustainability for the influence and the legacy that God's called you to live is going to come with other people helping you get there. And when a spirit of control is going on in our lives, we don't embrace leadership. We don't. We're not very easily led because we don't let somebody pour into us. And we will mistake good leadership for control. I know I've done it. We will mistake good godly leadership as people trying to control us. So we resist leadership. So we need to break up with a spirit of control in our lives. Amen? So here's what I want to do. I just want to invite you to join me. I'm going to stand because God's still working on me. If any of these things resonate in you tonight and you want to do something about it, stand up. We're going to go after this as a family right now because control is sabotaging our legacies. It's keeping us from holy moments with God where God wants to move powerfully in our lives, change the course of our lives. Just begin to pray over yourself right now where you are. Just begin to pray and, 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 and speak life over yourself right now. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it out loud. Just begin all across this room. Just begin to pray for the grace of God. The grace of God in this room tonight, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's say these words together. I'm letting go of my need to control. I'm breaking an agreement that I made in the past. God, I trust you to lead my life. I let go. I let go. I let go of what others think about me. I let go of controlling other people. I'm following you. I'm not following a substitute spirit. I open myself to the movement of the spirit. I open my spirit to receive from others. I don't have to understand everything. My mind is the servant, not the master. I embrace godly leadership in my life. I let go and let myself be held in your arms. You are the good shepherd in my life. You know what is best for me and what I need. I find security and safety in your arms. I declare freedom from control in my life. 
Amen. Amen. Let's just clap for Jesus and his grace tonight.